Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 204 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. We're all just uh, currently de-icing still after, after Goodison Park's bitter win today. My hands are absolutely freezing. Um, and I've been in for about, about an hour, but uh, it was a cold. It was a cold day, and I'm going to get colder this week. I think before that uh, FA Cup replay at Goodison Park on Wednesday. Uh, but joining me and Pete is is uh, is Phil Haywood back on the show. Obviously, we always like to bring him in when when Lee's not here. So um, some say better than Lee on the podcast, and it's it's hard to hard to disagree. Uh, Lee might argue that. So obviously, Phil, great to have you back on back on the show today, and straight to you. You know, we've we've come away with a point today uh, against a side, you know, before the game, third, second before Man City's win at Newcastle yesterday. A side who are, you know, really, really pushing for those Champions League spots. Do you see it as a point gained or do you see it as potentially maybe a couple of points there that we, we could have got and maybe we didn't? I think before getting to the game today, I think if you to say you can get a point and go home now, I think, I think we all took it, to be fair. Um, again, Villa are a good solid unit, a good side to be fair, um, from where they've come from the last 18 months. But no, certainly arriving to the games, they always said there'll be one goal in it. I said to, to a group on, on WhatsApp to some of the lads from football, said um, quite shy of goals, especially Villa away from home and, and Everton at the moment trying to find a bit of form recently. Um, easy would have took a, a point before the game, Mike, yeah. I think you're right. I think we, we we probably all would have done before the game. You know, it, it'd be seen as a, as a good point. I, I mean, I think it was a game really that probably neither side deserved to win. If we're being brutally honest, you know, there wasn't there wasn't a great deal of quality in front of goal. To, to be fair, you know, you you look at obviously the chances during the game. Obviously, both sides of the goal disallowed for, for offside. Um, you know, we, we've we've got to come on to to the big chance for for Dominic Calvert Lewin in, in the first half as well. But there wasn't many, many chances throughout the, the 90 minutes. So you, you probably say that, that a, a point was a deserved, a deserved point for, for both sides. Um, but wasn't massively, massively inspiring. But but Pete, obviously, we were we were there together and travelled travelled up, you know, before and, and, and came home together, had a, had a good chat about the game. And you know, we 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 did come out, didn't we, thinking, you know, we were fairly, fairly satisfied, satisfied with that. 
But against, you know, th- th- this this Villa side of, you know, you, you could argue the sort of punching above the weight a little bit, but they've, you know, they, they've backed. Unai Emery has been backed massively. You know, they've got, we were saying about the, the attacking players that they've got on the pitch today. You know, they've got Ollie Watkins, who's had a great season. Bailey, who's who's done really well. Obviously, Diaby, who's a terrific player. And they bring on the likes of Tillemans, who just, just comes in. You know, they, they've got some real some real quality there. So, for, I think for Everton to sort of address the slide in the league, given what's happened in, in recent weeks with the, the defeats that we've had, it's got to be seen as as, a, as probably a, a really good point, I would say, against a side who I said to you on the way home, I fully expect to get top four this season. Yeah, definitely. It's, def- it's definitely a point gained. And like Phil said, before the game, I think most Evertonians would have snapped your hand off for um, for a point, um, and I, I know it's not not most exciting of games to to watch, but I, I'll take the clean sheet as well. Clean sheet against these is is nothing to be sniffed at, and you know for me once again, I, I thought we defended absolutely brilliantly. Um, I, I've, I've just rewatched the highlights, and it, it's it's not been shown in the in the reel so far. I didn't have a great view of it, but I was saying to you after the game, Mike Mikolenko threw himself in the way of a of a brilliant block. Second half, um, I, I didn't see who got, who got the shot away, but it was an absolutely phenomenal block. And I thought that just typified the back four again. I thought we were really, really solid, hard to beat, team performance. I know we'll come on to some of the some of the chances and some of the things that affected the game. But yeah, it's, it's a really positive point, I think, especially when you stand back and you look at a lot of the talk around the club at the moment, a lot of the noises that were coming out before the game about... Um, you know the the prospect of greater sanctions maybe tomorrow, and you know lots of rumours flying around with the ten point deduction. You know that that will filter through to the players as well. So I think it, it's massive credit to the players that they can face up to a team like Aston Villa, who played some really good football at times. And like you say, regardless of where they're going to finish, they're they're in a rich vein of form and they've they've got um, top top players. So it's it's a great point, I think. You're right. I think I think defensively again. I mean, we we've seen this quite often this season, especially the two centre halves in in obviously Bramthwaite and Sarkowski, but both both terrific. Seamus Coleman, you know, now our, our record Premier League appearance maker. You know, fantastic to to see him starting today, and and you know, by, by the odd little moments. I think the all probably by Michalenko all had a little moments. I think Sarkowski dived in a couple of times, missed one. Bramthwaite the same. Coleman once. But I think across the board, I think generally it was a good defensive performance, and you know the, we looked we looked really solid. You know, you mentioned obviously Michalenko's block there, which was a fantastic block. But you know, we're looking at the chances in in the first half, say few and far between. But the, the biggest probably talking point was was the Villa goal that was disallowed, um, and it was disallowed. It was a you know yet again we're talking about VAR, aren't we? Um, and you look at the the goal, fantastic finish, by the way. But the goal obviously went to VAR. It was about three or four minutes before we actually got word that it was it was disallowed for offside. But I'm not sure if anyone else saw it. right by me in terms of it. I'm, I'm in the paddock and it was on my side. I'm not sure if you saw it, Phil. Dan Zuma got absolutely yeah. hauled to the ground and the, and the, the Villa player wouldn't wouldn't let him go. And Dan Zuma came running across to the linesman when obviously we scored the goal. So you know didn't did, did he not see that? I mean, how the linesman hasn't seen it. I've got absolutely no idea. It was it was the most obvious thing in the world. And in the end, he was the one that we thought would play everyone on side because he'd been pulled down and he was sitting down, Dan Zuma. Um, but for me, the offside didn't even need to be checked. It was a simple case of there was a foul on Dan Zuma at the back post before we'd even got into the situation of the ball coming to, to Moreno on the edge of the box. And once again, 
clear foul, clear incidents missed by the uh, on-field officials? Yeah, to be fair, obviously where I sit in the main stand, um, I always go on reactions. So obviously the lads hit it right now. It's a sweet finish. I think Pickford was was, was uh, couldn't see it. Um, but you look at reactions, Dan Juma was adamant that it was offside. I could I didn't even know there was a foul, to be fair. I uh, didn't know he was on the floor. But Steve Stone and Ian Wome, from where I am, went straight to the fourth official, complaining right in his, in his face. But no one else didn't seem to really react. I didn't see anyway. I, but I definitely saw Dan Jume. Then he went, I think he went closer towards uh, the Bullens to where the linesman was. Um, and then I got checked then. But it was, um, again, though, it, these teams are doing these short uh, corners on us. And I think it was, I think it was maybe what the, the next corner, maybe the next two corners. Seamus Coleman is screaming to like, they've got a, a short corner taker uh, with. Uh, someone next to him, and then Seamus Coleman's man. Seamus Coleman saying, "You need to come out the. Someone needs to come out the box to to nullify this." Um, and Dice was ju- I've never Dice was jumping up and down. He was waving his hands. Whether that was to say no, stay as you are, or yeah, listen to Seamus. So there didn't seem to be um, good communication there. But that's a bit worrying that teams are doing that and they are getting joy from this. Um, you know, short corner. Obviously, we got off with one today, but. You know, another VAR assistant in that box would have given it against us. So it, it is a worry. I think you're right. And, and the short corner routine continued pretty much all through the game, didn't it? And I was speaking to the, to the, the fellow next to me and I knew Aston Villa brought in a set-piece coach over recent months. Emery was was keen on bringing somebody in. And they do some funny things from, from free kicks and corners. And if you noticed, they had a free kick in the first half and, and Bailey literally stood on our line. And and the the defensive line was on the eighteen yard box, but he stood sort of by Pickford, it almost sort of distracted. But he did did, did it a few weeks ago with another another game, and it worked, and he scored. Um, so they do some funny things, but Everton just didn't seem to react to it. He just sort of kept sort of the the, the zonal marking within the box, and then sort of you know, go on and do whatever you want. And it's dangerous, you know. We are we can't just allow balls to come in and, and not adapt ourselves and. That was the warning, you know. That 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 situation for me was was a big a big warning. Um, you know, I'd like you say it was a great finish. He caused it really well, Murray. You know, but lucky for us, you know, he was offside by about a half a hair. Um, but as I say, it was most definitely a foul as, as far as far as I'm concerned. But it was it was a first half devoid really of as I say much quality and many chances. But the the, the big one, Peter, it forced it to Dominic Calvert Lewin. You know. The, I think it was a, it was Dan Juma, great ball, great three ball, wasn't it? Um, to to Dom, um, I don't know if it was just me, but I never felt that he was going to score. To be honest with you, which which we were just we were talking about before the game, me and you, we we were sitting there watching some of the old games against Villa, and there was one where Lukaku goes through one on one and scores, and I I said I was always with Lukaku, I always thought he was going to he score one on one. Oh, he missed some big ones, something wrong, but. I was always confident in his ability in a one-on-one, whereas I don't get that with Dom. And, you know, it was a massive, massive chance. As I say, great ball, goes through. And you've just got to literally there, lift the ball slightly. The keeper's always going to go down and you score a goal. But he looks devoid on your confidence, Pete. And to be fair, you called this weeks ago. I think it was the um, it was the cup game against Fulham. And you were saying he looks off as a certain lot right. And we don't know what the situation is, but he never looked likely like he was going to score that goal, did he? No, and I'm, I'm I'm trying to give it a slightly positive gloss. Watching it back now, be you know being out at the stadium, times has run well. 
get in front of the defender, get into the right position. But it's almost like when he's setting himself up for the shot, he's he's just so square and flat across the ball. And then I thought, if you're going to try and give him credit, if you're going to give him the like the least harsh um, kind of analysis of, of of that moment of play, is he trying to just slot it under the keeper? Because I think for for most fans, if you look at that chance, it it's like he's hit it straight at Martinez and. I don't think it's too harsh to say that a chance like that should be a striker's bread and butter, especially in the Premier League. He's just got to slot it either side. Or as you say, Mike, if he sees the keeper going down, lift it over him. And I, I think any striker that's confident, or any, you know, any midfielder that's confident would would score that chance for me. Um, I mean, he's clearly struggling. and Maybe the upcoming break might be a, a bit of a blessing in disguise. And look, we don't know whether he's carrying a knock or what else might be going on for him, but it's 16 hours now. Uh, without a Premier League goal for Calvert-Lewin. Uh, and I, I think last goal, Premier League, came in the, the the win against West Ham in September. So I wonder whether we need to maybe protect him a little bit. And it's it's a difficult call for the manager because he gives us so much, I think, in terms of the way that we play as a side and helping us to get out and, um, you know, holding the ball up. But He's, he's starting to come under a bit of attention and pressure now. And I, I wonder when you've got Beto and Schmitty, maybe it's a good opportunity, particularly with the cup game. You know, is, is there a case for maybe start, starting Beto and Gilbert, giving Calvert-Lewin a bit of a rest? We, we, I mean, we were all a bit surprised to, to probably see Dom start the game against Palace, weren't we, in, in, the, in the cup game? Obviously, red carded. We know just in the rightly. Um, but... That was probably the ideal time to take him out and, and give a better or Smithy a chance. But what what are your thoughts, Phil, on on, on Dom in terms of you no know, Pete mentioned there the, how long he's gone without a Premier League goal? It goes back to that game against West Ham, um, and and for someone like Dom, you know we we need our striker to at least be back in sort of ten twelve goals in in a season. Did you did you think he was going to score today when he when he went through? Are you, are you a bit disappointed that that he hasn't? Do you think there's something maybe underlying there as to why we're not seeing him? Because when, when he first, you know, when he came back, and he looked like that, we said it on on the show. It's like the old Dominic Calvert-Lewin. What he was doing, you know, his hold-up play, his his pace, his physicality, the fact you know we were scoring a few goals, but it seems to have dropped off. And is is there something there, something which is a little bit untoward? I think. Any striker would want that opportunity because you had the, the freedom of Goodison, didn't he? But sometimes they're like the worst moments you can have as well. Like you had so much time to think. Like Martinez stood up really well, give him some credit as well. He stood up nice and big. Again, he's, he's always in favour of Cavalloon, of course, because he knows where to put it. But uh, it was interesting after that. He just, every time he touched the ball, it bounced off him. I think he'd give a throw away. I think he'd give a foul away. His head had just gone. I think he just. Again, I, I go back to the the, the, the the Palace game when he got sent. So he just looked down. He just looked. He didn't see him himself. I know he, he loves... I saw an interview, actually. I think it was the Palace game. Or, um, the, one, the, the last home game. And he did an interview. And he, again, he, he loves having that number nine. He, he loves the pressure of it. But I do... I always used to say this. If if Calvert-Lewin or Richardson don't score, who, who does score? And again, today, I just... I feel if if he doesn't look like he's going to score, no one does, or it's the Corey kind of thing. So there is a lot of pressure on the lad. Um, I think he thrives under the pressure at times, obviously when the team's doing well. But when the team's in a bit of a rut, and it's down to him to get the goals, I do. 
I do feel his confidence or the pressure gets to him a little bit. But funny saying that, there was about 10 rows in front of me. Um, Andy Johnson was there. And when he missed, he stood up Andy Johnson. I've got a, I t- actually took a picture and he's got his, his face. Um, he obviously didn't believe he'd score. Um, I think Andy Johnson will back himself. I'll have to sh- send you that on the on the Twitter. But no, I, I just... I think he needs a bit of help. And is that the manager that makes that decision for him? Like you said, does Chimiti come in or Beto? It would be nice in the cup games to see both of them. I understand why he doesn't play both because of the shape changes and can he, the to- they're so similar. I just think we're very predictable as well. Sometimes to set, as we set up, um, obviously Decore being as close to him in the first half, I thought in the first half of the first half, that makes sense. The first 15, 20 minutes, I thought we were pressing them. I thought we looked good. I think I thought they could have got a goal each. But I just think he needs a little bit of help. People, other people close to him, more balls coming into the box. I think there's a few times Harrison could have got that ball in earlier or um, Van Juma. I think he kept hold of it a little, that little bit longer and chose to shoot instead of cross it. But um, he, like you said, he just needs something to go off his backside, his, his knee, a deflection, anything. Um, even if he gets a, a penalty, oh, we haven't had one, have we? So that's another story. But a penalty, something, a soft penalty. But he, I, I do think he definitely needs help because after everything else, after that chance, especially by me, a few fans were like, oh, you know, you could hear them. Oh, and the drones and things. And obviously that filters to him. You're right, but I mean, to be fair, he, he won a fair few headers, but like you say, because it is quite predictable, he's winning headers. And, you know, Villa can, can pick up straight away what we're going to what we're going to try and do, and they're getting plays in and around him and pick up any kind of flick on waves. We had nobody really sort of looking to, to, to sort of read what Calvert-Lewin's doing, so it's, it is hard, it's hard for him. Um, and like you said, you know, maybe he needs a, a bit more support around him. We've said that before. You know, he is sometimes isolated. And today's a tough game for him, of course. You know, it's not an easy start to play against. They, you know, we've said already how, how, how well they're doing in the league. Defensively, they're very strong. The likes of, obviously, they had that Diego Carlos, obviously, Conce. Massey Cash comes on. Um, Moreno, you know, defensively, they, they are they are strong. They're, they're a, a decent size, size side as well. So it was always going to be a little bit difficult for him. But like you say, he needs something to fall his way. And whether there is too much of a reliance on him, I don't know. Um, you know, we're playing again Wednesday. It's a game where we've got to break at the weekend. So the chances are Sean Dyche is going to go sort of strong and go with probably his favourite 11 once again, you would think. Um, but maybe it is a time on, on Wednesday too to take him out and, and give him give him obviously another player a chance. But Beto came on and he he didn't do a great deal. Did he really, Pete? You know, there was one thing, there was the, probably the most um, action we saw was when the ball long gone, he decides to give someone a bit of a boot. Um, I was just, for, for no reason whatsoever, and then it goes back for a free kick. But he was pretty ineffective as well. Beto wasn't he a little bit off the boil today, maybe? Wasn't his usual self? Because you normally see him buzzing around Beto, even if he's not doing a great deal with the ball. He's normally busy and he's, he's closing people down, but he didn't really. But he didn't impact the game at all when he came on, did he? No, he seemed to struggle with the pace pace of the game a bit. And I know that it's a Premier League cliche, isn't it? That it's it, it's faster than um, the most of the leagues. But I, I thought it was a particularly fast-paced game today. No one had very much time on the ball at all. Um, and we, we, were go, we were going long, um, I, I, you know, an, an awful lot. So if, if, if you weren't on the end of it, you were, you know, effectively chasing the ball. And that's not really better game is it um 
I mean, I, I guess so easy to say these things, and I, I kind of don't want to say it, but you, you look at you look at Chimiti, don't you? And you think when he has come off the bench in some of his cameos, yeah, he, he's look, you know, he's looked sharp. He looks like he's developing, and you know, is there a case for him to have a few more minutes? And I think maybe we need to think back to where we, where we were at last season, where you know we were so reliant on Dom and didn't have access to him and we're having to do our best with you know with with Mope for most of the season um you know we've got two lads two two lads that have come in in Beto and Chimiti that are still acclimatizing to the league and developing so I think it's important not to put too much pressure on them or to be too critical because I think it was a hard game for any player to step into today probably at a point in the match where you know as, as the game's going on we're being encouraged to be a bit more defensive and drop in and looking to protect the the point that we've got rather than push for the winner. I think Chimiti's obviously is a is a different one again because I think Sean Dice referred to him a few days ago as a as a developmental player still, which of course is he's, he's a young player, but we see him in every single match day squad, don't we? But we don't really see him getting any kind of game time. And I thought when he was getting a bit more game time in probably. Um, we, we weren't playing particularly well and getting results, but he was getting them a bit more time. He was, he was, I thought, affecting things a little bit more and starting to look a bit bigger and a bit, bit stronger, getting up to speed. And you know, we, we are going to, at some point, you you'd assume need, need to use him a little bit more. But is he someone that you want to see a bit more of, Phil? Given the fact that obviously Dom's struggling a little bit better, you know, hasn't hasn't been particularly fantastic, um, and and obviously hasn't really set the word like with his goal scoring, it's got to be said. Do you, do you want to see Timothy maybe even on Wednesday get get a bit more game time? 100%. I think I think you just got to be a little bit braver and, and give the lad a go. Do you know what I mean? None of this 15 minutes or the last 12 minutes. Give him a go and let's see what he can do. Because I, I honestly thought the spine was fantastic today. I thought the two centre-offs were so aggressive because I thought they're an aggressive side, as in when they header it, they actually header it, do you know what I mean? I thought the two centres was fantastic. I thought Onana started the game fantastically well alongside James Garner, which then filters, that's not, that filters to the wider players then, because I thought Jack Harrison worked and worked and worked. Dan Juma wasn't really in it. I think, first off, he had an opportunity in the box, he got a corner from it, but there's nothing from Dan Juma's performance today that I don't think Chimiti could do, if that makes sense, and it's a bit of a wild card. You throw him in, um, let him stretch his long legs, the, the pitch. You get confidence from that, and you might find, do you know what? Actually, he can do that, or he, you know, he's come up against a good player there. He can do that, but you'll never know if you're not giving them the ladder chance. And it's hard coming on in any game, like like Pete was saying. It was a hard game to come on to today. Like McNeil didn't get the same impact. I know he's had a, an injury as I thought he would, but that could have been again an opportunity for Chimiti there. Last 20, 25 minutes, wild card. They don't know much about him. Stretch them. Um, but I would like to see him get a few more opportunities. Listen, I think if we had the 10 points back, he may have had more opportunities, and then obviously we lost them. He's had to go with what he knows, and you know, I, th- I thought Decorey got leggy the last 15 minutes. I thought maybe Gomez may have come on there and assured that there's passing, I don't know, but yeah, definitely with Schmitty, I think he's, he's an unknown quantity kind of lad, but he's got to look after him with his minutes, but you've got to give him some kind of minutes to feed off as well. Yeah, and, and you'd, also, you'd also say as well, well, if he's not going to get a great deal of game time in the first team, we've seen him already, haven't we? Played for the 21s, um, obviously scored the golden in the uh, the Papa John's trophy. 
So you've got to then look well, okay, let's give a little bit more game time for for the 21. Still have them in the in the match day squad, but you've got to keep them playing and take them over because when you do need them, you want them to be have that match sharpness as well, which I think he's losing a little bit by not getting any kind of game time for, for either the 21s or for the for the first team. But obviously, I mean that, that that chance came and went. James Garner, you know, decent attempt, which was a which was a good save from from Martinez, but that was the first half, and I think that that, that continued in, into the second half. You know, both sides really, you know, didn't didn't push. I would say for to look to try and get the winner, um, but there was still a couple a couple of talking points to, to go through. Of course, the biggest one right by me, and and I'm sure everyone's seen it um, right in that corner. James Tarkovsky with his his, his tackle um, now. What led what led up to that was was Tarkovsky getting literally his arms pulled off him and everything, which should have been a foul to be fair. He, then the ball goes to the corner, he comes flying in, great tackle, great tackle by the way, it was fantastic. And you know they, those kind of tackles are the kind of things you don't see anymore because they decided to outlaw them. But it was not a foul. Wins the ball cleanly, a throwing was given and a throwing was taken, and we see James Tarkovsky get booked now. It was quite clear on the footage. There's a great, great clip where Tarkovsky gets a little bit of grief. It was Douglas Lewis who started it all. I come running over, um, and Tarkovsky just called over Ronaldo and the Corey. They come charging in and just start, just push everyone out the way. And he walks away, doesn't even get involved. Tarkovsky walks away, goes back to the halfway line. Coleman's chipping in as, as Seamus does. He was in there, but then Tarkovsky gets called back and gets a yellow card. So it was not a free kick. A throwing was taken. The, the assistant referee didn't give a free kick, so we don't know what what the, what the booking was for. And he wasn't involved in the melee. It was other players. Oh, as I say, Onana oh, comes flying in. The Corey does. Seamus was in there. Him and he was going to Tillemans for about half an hour, um, which led to Tillemans getting booked within about thirty seconds of the, of the play restarting. But yet, yet again, Pete, we're, we're, this is we spend all our time discussing officiating and VAR and things like that. But the problem lays specifically with the people who are the officials. And you look at things like that and you see a player get booked. And I can't for life me work out why he got booked. He certainly can't work out why he got booked. And this is why, you know, you, you, you lose faith with what happens at, at football matches and decisions in the May because you see that and you just think that's a, that's a great tackle. It's a throw in. Let's get on with the game. Because Douglas Luis reacts the way that he does. Effectively, you got James Tarkovsky booked, and it wasn't even a foul. And and it it you, you lose. I mean, our faith was lost a long, long time ago with officiating, but it just basically cements your belief that they haven't got a clue what they're doing. Definitely, it was strange, wasn't it? Because you could see from Tarkovsky's reaction, he went to the referee, and he repeatedly kind of made the throw-in gesture, didn't he? Say, you know, it's a throw-in, it's a throw-in. So why why are you booking me? And he booked um, Langlet as well at the same time for Villa. So when he booked the two of them. I assumed that it was it was kind of like the melee or something had been said, but as you say, when when you when you watch it back, he walks he walks away and he's not involved in it at all. So it's it's a it's a really weird one, um, and, and you know, thankfully, it's it's a decision that's not ended up costing us the game in any way or um, you, you know that led led to a sending off. But you know, if if Yellow cards add up for him. We find ourselves in a position where we're where we're without him. We might well be coming back to this game and talking about it is is fairly significant, really. But I, 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 again, like you say, you, you get fed up of talking about 
the, the officials and the standard of officiating but there's a lack of transparency as well that i i think feeds into how how crap they can be basically because it stops them from being accountable you know it if their decisions were transparently shared, whether it was via, you know, kind of, you know, clips of audio feed or, uh, you, you know, more more, access, more accessible notes on the game, it would make them have to be more conscientious about the decisions that they make. And I, I think sometimes they, they make bad decisions just because, not because they know they can, but I think because they want to, because they get annoyed with players or because you know, they read something a particular way rather than standing back and, and being more thoughtful about the decision that they're making. Just on that, the, that Luis, I think the first 15 minutes made four fouls. And I mm. said to him, I better wear the first yellow card. He made four. So he tossed up his fouls. And then um, I don't even, from where I'm at, I don't even know if the linesman flagged. Obviously he didn't because he didn't give a foul. So give it for the Tarkowski one. And then what really I found baffling is the referee was given the offsides before the linesman put his flag up. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, I, I picked up on that, but do, do, do you know what? The only thing I thought was, are they talking to each other? He must have been, yeah. Through, through the headset. He put his hand up and then the linesman put his flag up for offside. Yeah. But you don't see do you? Times. Yeah. yeah, you don't see that. It's, it's, it's down to the assistant referee to, to, yeah. to give the offside. The referee was giving it, yeah. Yeah, he was. He was. And, and that's just totally bizarre. And again, that'll be lost because yeah. people who are the game and, and in a good position won't have seen that. But they're getting to a couple of times. It was that, wasn't it? And, and it was, I, 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 I said to the fellow, what's, what's happening here? I said, how's he giving offside? And the, the assistant standing there in line, with, obviously, with the defenders. And, and his flag just stays down. It, it just doesn't add up. So what is going on there? What's going on? Because there's no there's no semi-automated offsides in the Premier League at this moment in time with, obviously, the chipping the ball and all stuff like that. So what, what's what's going on? So, again, you know, it's, 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 it's so bizarre. But we said this, obviously, after, after Dom's red card last week against Palace. It's every single week, isn't it? Where, you know, most games have got incidents in. I mean, you go back to the Villa goal. Correctly, it was given on, it was uh, given offside, as I say. And Sean Dice has said the same thing. There was a foul on Dan Zuma, which is as clear as day, which you could have given within 30 seconds of looking at that clip. Not even that. You can say that's a foul. So it saves a three or four minute wait for, for decisions to come through. We're all sitting there like, like, a, like a gang of lemons, not knowing what's going on, you know. So it's, it's those kind of things. And, Every single game, you know, you look at the City Newcastle game yesterday over there, not putting the flag up when it's offside and letting play go on, and you see players get injured and things like that. But every single game has got some kind of officiating error or mistake or talking points, and they've made they've made that situation themselves because of how they they carry things out on on VAR and how poorly. They they've actually brought that system in and how poor the officiating is. So it creates talking points. So then every little thing that happens then becomes a talking point, which is wrong. Mike, did um, you see the um, sorry, did you see the Chelsea game yesterday when Gusto went over the ball onto the full on William? I don't know if you saw it. It was on went over the yeah, ball sure. and Taylor gave a yellow card, and the VAR were happy with it. I'm thinking, but seven days ago you gave a red card into Calvert Lewin for exactly the same thing. Yeah, I just think it's bizarre. And this, this is it, you know. This, this is this is exactly it, and it's a lack of consistency. We said it last week. The only consistency in the officiating is the lack of consistency, yeah. isn't it, from game to game, and that's a problem. If they were consistently doing the same thing, then you you, you haven't really got an argument then because you say, okay, we're all they're all doing the same thing, but they're not. They 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 they, they make up things as they go along. 
they you know what one referee will give a red card but something another referee won't and it, but it's not even like you know you can understand why that was given or why that wasn't given sometimes I mean like Calvert Lewin's one it wasn't even a tackle so what's he being sent off for you know turning back with the ball pretty much so things like that things today where you know you they're taking four or five minutes I mean Pete just dropped a, a photograph in our group which which is a still of the offside and it took them nearly five minutes to decide and it's as clear as day it's as clear as day so why are we taking four or five minutes taking you know the atmosphere just drops doesn't it you're sitting there you're waiting you know the side who scored don't know if they scored it's it's a nonsense and the whole I said this on on the radio on um on Wednesday it's the whole emotion of football is being taken away because of how the officials go about the business and that's wrong, isn't it? You know, we, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be when the balls are back in the net, looking at the referee, seeing if he's touching his ear, and seeing if it's going to go to VAR. You should be able to live in the moment, celebrate the goal, and that should be that. None of this, you know, waiting for three, four, five minutes to save it's a goal. It's that's not football. That's just not football that I know. Um, we saw it again today. You know, obviously it went in our favour, and rightly so. It should have done for a variety of reasons, but it takes so long. You know, you look at the, obviously, we scored a goal second half late on. The Corey offside, probably a bit more offside than than their goal. But it was, flag went up after he scored. They did check it. I think it took 15, 20 seconds, maybe. Quite clear, wasn't going to be a goal. On with the game, no problem. That was offside, fine. Not a problem at all. Should have been the same for the Villa goal. And that's what drives you nuts, you know, things like that. Um but just to just to round off on on the game, obviously Pete mentioned earlier on the block from Mikalenko when got a little bit frantic, didn't it? Late on and and Villa did push a little bit, and we see the time and again. You know, Mikalenko, I've said it before, probably our most improved player this season. He he's absolutely terrific now in that that left back spot, and there's you know there's no one that you want there more. You know, we we was how many times you've spoken in the past about it being a bit of a weak weak spot last season for and he really up to it. It was taking quite a bit of time to adapt to the game. But Phil, yet again, we see you know he was in the walls. One he got come on like Terry Butcher after taking a bang on the head and uh, comes back on second half. Uh, but, but, but what a what a block and and what a what an important player he's he's uh, become in this Sean Dyche side. It's funny, mate. Like he's Mister Steady Eddie, isn't he? He's seven out of ten every week, eight out of ten every single week. Um, I was, you know, is that, is that important to the team now that when he went down, he didn't move? And you think, oh God, who, who have you got there? Is that is that important to the team? I, I read a quote that he, he he put on the website that he's learning English more and more. He's starting to learn the Scouse accents and stuff like this, so he feels a little bit more comfortable. But that there is, it's understanding of the game from a left back. Is absolutely sensational. I like I'll use that word because he, he he's never caught out. Right, he's not the quickest, but he, he never gets done that much over the top. He, he on a one on one, he very very rarely gets skinned. And if he does, it's once again. It's not five or six in a game. He stands up. He, you know, he's through like you said, Mike. He threw everything in that, everything in that. Um, and the lads' reactions, Pickford's talk house. He's grabbed up by the scruff of the neck and and things like that. Um. And, and I think everyone in that ground can see, like you said, he's improved massively. And I think as football fans, we just expect, you know, you're a professional footballer, you should know what to do. But what he's gone on in his personal life and private life, what's still continuing, didn't know the language. Um, we didn't know who bought him. I don't think he knows who bought him. Um, and to come straight in when when it was a bit like, 
You know, we've lost the manager. He's a, he, this is his second manager as well. And I think he's he's a proper Sean Dyche player, isn't he? He's fitting at Burnley. He's fitting in, uh, obviously, at us with Sean Dyche. I think he's he doesn't try anything that he can't do. You know, like he won't do something stupid. He just rose head, or he, he, you know, he's calm. He's calm as well. He, you know, you never panic when he's on the ball. So I'll pass it back to him. He, and I think he's very likable as well um, with, with the crowd, and especially with with the group of players as well. I think you're right, and and you know, I think across that back four, I mentioned it earlier on. You've got four players there in Michalenko, Brantley, Tarkovsky, and Coleman, who I think every single time they they play. They put it all on, on the line, don't they? I mean, we saw, as I said, there was a couple of times where we dived in there today, especially Tarkovsky and, and Brandway. But how many times do you see them too? And, and again today, a couple of great slide tackles. They're both physical. They're, they're, they're not scared of, you know, the two of them, you know, have gone down at some point holding their head and, and what have you. And they just get on with it. And Michalenko's now in, in that mould. We said it uh, a few weeks ago, how, how much he's put a bit of muscle on it looks like. Looks a bit more physical, stronger, a bit more pace. We know what Seamus Coleman's all about. I mean, he was just, just his, his usual self today, you know, and back, back doing what he does, and that's winding players up and, and getting in players ears and fighting the Everton, Everton corner. And that's what you want to see from your back four. And if you're not, if you if you can't go and win a game, don't lose a game. And that's what that back four, I think, give you. And, and to be fair, Pickford, you know, most clean sheets of any goalkeeper in the Premier League this season, which gets forgotten. Now, I thought it was a pretty easy game for Pickford today. They didn't have a great deal to do, to be honest. Um, but Pete, it's good to have a solid foundation. There. Isn't it something that we, that we need in our predicaments? If we if say we can't win a game, don't lose a game. And we've got a solid back four and goalkeeper there who we know, you know, week in, week out, will we'll probably do the business for us. It's, it's it's the bare minimum, isn't it? It's, it's the absolute bare minimum. Every great side has that solid foundation and every side that's consistent in the Premier League has it. And, you know, I know we're in a, a kind of an age now where the, there's a real stress on football need, needing to be played in a particular way or there's you know, strong views on attractive football and teams playing out from the back. But you know, first and foremost, you, you need to be able to d- defend and defend as a team and have consistency in your lineup. I mean, we've said it a few times on on the podcast, you know, previous seasons, how many iterations, different iterations of a back four did we have? How many different centre-back partnerships, you know, moving between Michael Keane and Mason Holgate and even when Tarkovsky came in, the amount of different centre-half partners he had. And it's the first time in literally years that we've had a settled back four. And it's so, so important to the side. You know, it's important as a football fan, I think, to to be walking to the stadium thinking, yeah, I know the starting eleven if everyone's fit. Um, and I know I, I pretty much know the starting eleven, maybe bar one or two changes, uh, because that's how we set up and that's how we play every week. It's it, it's it's the foundation for stability. And I know we often hark back to the kind of the, the David Moyes era, um, which is strange given that you know <laughs> we didn't win anything in that time as close as we came. But what what Moyes did was he he stabilised the club, and that stability enabled us to push and be really, really competitive at a high level, you know, to be in cup finals, to to qualify for Europe. And that's where Everton, as a bare minimum, need to be back um, back being on a consistent basis. But it's this stability that gives you that. And it's just such a different experience watching the, watching the team now. I mean, I don't know how, how you lads feel, but I, I genuinely feel, despite this 10 points deduction, like I'm starting to enjoy football again. I enjoy going the game. Because you know what you're getting, you're getting commitment, you're getting hard work, you're getting organisation, and we're in games. You go a goal down now, you still believe. 
We used to go goal down. You think, wait, that's it. How many is it going to be? And you'd see the heads go down on the pitch. It's a different experience. And it, it does feel, despite the negativity around the club, like the, the tide is slowly starting to, to change. And, you know, it's huge credit to, to Sean Dyche, but it's massive credit to, to the squad and the players, and particularly the back four. And I think we're right to, to single out Mikolenko in particular for, you know, for his development and sticking it out. Because as you say, Phil, he's he's had every reason in, in the book, hasn't he, to to sulk or, um, you know, to not be up for it. But he's just gone from strength to strength. He has. He has. And, and you know, you, you mentioned, obviously, the likes of getting back to that situation where we are looking to sort of qualify for Europe. And there's no better way of doing that than, than winning the cup competition. And obviously, we, we've got to go through the, the rigmarole of a replay. Um, on Wednesday night against Crystal Palace at Goodison Park. And we're going to discuss that after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Saints podcast as we, we look ahead to that cup replay against uh, against Crystal Palace. Uh, it's going to be a cold one on Wednesday. We thought it was cold today. It's going to be cold Wednesday. I think there's snow coming and everything. Uh, it might, might be time for the famous orange orange ball to come out of the uh, out of the locker ball. It's um it's a game where I suppose when when Dominic Calvert-Lewin was was wrongly sent off, obviously on uh, on that, that Thursday night game at Sellers Park, we, we were probably pretty glad to make you know to, to see us be in the draw. We know what the draw is. The the winner of our tie gets um Luton or Bolton at home, so another home tie on the horizon if we can do the job against against Crystal Palace. Um, but what are your thoughts, Phil, on that in terms of? You know, do you, do you think the manager is is going to go strong for that? Do you, do you envisage a, a decent side, given the fact that we're not going to be playing a game of football until January the thirtieth? I think the next game is in the Premier League. Um, but I'm not sure. I, I'm thinking about that. I'm not sure if they've penciled in any FA Cup games um, for the for that weekend. But we're not in Premier League action until Tuesday the thirtieth of January. So do you think the manager will go with? His strongest eleven, or do you, do you envisage, like we said, given the issues we've got with not scoring goals at the moment, maybe Chimisi comes in, maybe Beto comes in. Does Dan Juma keep his place? There's still a few questions to be asked there. I always, I always say, start your best side, and then obviously see how the game goes. And obviously, you get ahead, we can make the changes. But I would like to see what maybe one or two, maybe McNeil might come in a bit more minutes for him. Decore played ninety today. You might have, I don't, I'm not too sure. But like I always think, they don't fancy a Palace. Just and what I mean by that is, of course, Dave probably thought, you know, it's a game we didn't need. But you don't come out and say it in the press straight after like Hodgson did. They haven't sold their allocation. It's a Wednesday night. It's gonna be cold, like you said. It could be an absolute fantastic opportunity. You watch it. Be our luck. Calvert Lewin gets a brace, and then he's got a break. You know, to carry on that form. But I think you go for the throat, Mike. I think you you, you play your best team. Um, whether, obviously on the condition of the players um, I would maybe like to see maybe one or two if not if it was the same team or you know maybe Gomez comes in maybe I'm not too sure um, and then you know go for the throw because like you said we know the draw for the fourth round massive opportunity um, and obviously we've been fantastic away from him this season but to just consolidate some home form um, but no I just think Hodgson was a bit you know we all we all knew it as fans we all knew it as I'm sure Dice knew it, but you don't come out on the press and say it's a game we don't really want or need. I understand what he means, but I just think, you know, psychologically, you get at them, I think. If we do get through, by the way, we will be pending to play the following weekend. So the, the weekend 
uh, commencing the, the 27th of Jan, Saturday the 27th of Jan. So, I mean, I don't want to look too far ahead. It's, it's a difficult tie, of course, but with us playing on the Tuesday against Fulham in the league, you can see Everton will potentially push for a Friday game there. Um, if there's availability for the Friday, I don't know whether we can do that. Um, but we would be in action the following weekend. So it's not as big, a, big as a, of a break as, as we thought. However, you know, the fact that we, we've got the chance to qualify for the next round is the important thing. Um, but how much importance are you putting on this this piece? Obviously, we, we spoke about the, the league course final, which you know, we were in the latter stages of a competition against Fulham. We had a real chance there to, to get through, get us to a semi-final. You know, you're a couple, a couple of games away from the final then. We didn't quite do the business um, in that game. FA Cup, we spoke about, about it before the Palace game. You know, how how serious are we going to be about it, given the fact, you know, we are where we are in, in the league. Do, do you expect us, like like Phil was saying, to, to start with our strongest side, go out there, try and obviously get maybe get a couple of goals in the lead and then make, make your changes? Or or do, do, you, do you envision the manager making a few changes from the off? Because, to be fair, he does he does place a lot of emphasis, I, I've found with him in this short time, on the, the importance of the cup competitions. I wouldn't be surprised if it if it was the um, the same team as today. Obviously, bar uh, Dan Gima. Um I think Dwight McNeil comes in and he'll probably go with the same setup. Given that we've got a break um, or relative break in in the fixture list coming up, I think he'll go he'll go strong and he'll go with the players he trusts. Um, and it's it, you know, it's easy to say, but for me, I'd probably rest Calvert Lewin because I I think it would do Calvert Lewin good to have a bit of protection coming out of the squad, and I think it would do better good to to have a start and. I think particularly at um, at home with the fans behind him, uh, and I think playing against Crystal Palace, it's the type of opposition, it's the type of game that would would suit him much better and play to his strengths. Um, I don't think we'll see that though. Uh, whether Calvert Lewin kind of gets sixty minutes and better gets you know a little bit more football, obviously we'll we'll have to see what um, what plays out in the game. But you know, I fully expect him to stick with the um, the, the, the Sean Dyche type that we've come to know. And, and the funny thing is, with in regards to Palace, they haven't played this weekend after because of obviously this this split winter break scenario. So we we were their last opposition, and then they're going to play us again. So they, they've had, we'll have had, had a little bit of a break. So for them, they're going to come into things quite fresh. Um, sometimes it, it can be a good thing. Sometimes you'd rather play a game to make sure you know that you you, you or you, you get into some kind of form. So they're probably going to go pretty pretty strong themselves. You, you would think, um, but you know. The fact we're at Goodison Park, you know, I fully expect a sellout. You know, it wasn't far off from what I could see the other day. I think there's a lot of single seats floating around, but you know, you, you hope that that we can we can put on a, a, a decent show and obviously get the get the job done. But I do think that 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 forward position is one which, you know, I'm sure I'm sure the manager will be really keen for for Don to, to get a goal like like he was saying earlier on, filling in some way, shape, or form. However, he can he can manage it to, just to get. To get him, you know, a bit more, a bit more confidence again, and maybe this is the kind of game that he can, that he can do it in. Um, but Palace, we we know what they're all about in terms of, you know, we, we played them twice away this season already. Um, in terms of obviously one in the league, which we won three two, and then a nil nil cup replay, uh, sorry, cup uh, cup game last Thursday. Palace are one of those sides, aren't they, Phil? Where what they can do when they do turn it on, 
they've got that pace. I think they've got that that ability with with those those dangerous players, like if you your Elise's and your your Eze's and even like Savayu and, and and players like that who can cause you problems because as we know, speed is is a real is a real problem for for many many sides. So we've got to be we've got to be wary of what the of what they're all about, haven't we? Because it's not going to be a game where. You know, I look back on previous years, you know, prior to Everton going on a bit of a, a bit of a slump in like the last two or three years. This kind of game, I would expect Everton to go out there and go and win a game by two, two or three goals to nil. This is a different situation. And aside in Crystal Palace, who, you know, they have got the, they have got the threats available when the wide players, even the centre forwards, Mateta, and I, I know people are and don't take uh, too kind to him in the Palace fan base, but he's a big lad. He's he's a unit. They are going to cause us a few issues, aren't they, on the day? I, I always say, I mean, since uh, Pete was mentioning obviously the Moyes era, but obviously now this this time of Everton, they're very similar to us in many respects. They have like a big target man. They have wide players that can you know can get assists and 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 as in like Neil and Harrison. Obviously they've got as in Elise, uh, a bit more flexible those two. But then they've got a solid base in midfield, and then they're quite the Anderson centre half and and. Um, the young English lad there, the centre half with them, um, they're very, they are very similar to to us. Um, in respect, that's why I believe like the the game is so tight, or it's been one goal in recent years and and things like that. Um, no, they are like they are a threat. They are good, especially those two out wide. They can make things happen. And like you said, um, you know, you know, I'm sure Tarkowski and Branthwaite like that battle of a big big fella rather than pace. Um, but they're no mugs, in, in fairness. You know, they have got a bit of uh, class about them going forward and, and they've got that solid base as, as a, a back four and then maybe the two pivots in front. Um, so, again, we've, I, I, I wouldn't see us blowing them away midweek, um, although I said, obviously, with Roy Hodgson, he doesn't fancy the trip <laughs> psychologically, but it'll always be a tough game against Palace because I just think they, they set up very similar to us, whether it's home or away. I mean, I'm just looking at their injuries. Actually, Elise is actually ruled out by the looks of things. Um, I think he, he missed the first game, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, through injury, I thought he had a little chance of being back. According to this, he's got no no return date. Um, but he's not going to be playing. And Ayu's just gone off to the African Cup of Nations, which again, I mean, Ayu, you know, Ayu's not a, a peak Wilfred Zaha, but he's always a threat. I think always a danger. Um, so they've got a few little issues there um, as well. The core as well, one of their their plays also injured. So there's a few little niggles there for them, a few little problems that they've got. I mean, they, they played um, the young the young kid, didn't he? Was it um, Franca, the the young winger? I think it was the first time um, it started for them. And and he was quite lively, got a bit of pace. And, and I, 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 uh, Jeffrey Slup always seemed to do something against Everton, whether it be for Leicester or Palace. Um, but I, I think, you know, Everton should be going into the game, you know, a home against against this side we should fancy ourselves I really, I really believe that I do think that today today's game should give us a bit of confidence you know to, to shut out a side who up until City beat, beat Newcastle on Saturday were second in the table you know and I'm not saying they're going to win the league but I, I do think they're going to get Champions League football I've got to be honest with you given the fact that you know United are having their, their troubles this season uh, Spurs has turned a little bit of course, and they'll be picked up a bit, bit more form recently. Chelsea are the Chelsea of old. So they've got a real chance of, of Champions League football, Aston Villa. Um, so I think a lot of credit to the side today. A lot of confidence should be built from that thinking. We kept out a really good attacking side there who, who do score goals. You know, it was only a few weeks back that they beat Arsenal and Man City, two games on the spin. 
they're a good, good, solid side Aston Villa who, who are going to do, I think, good, good things this season. So, real confidence there. It's just obviously now making sure that we we, we recover correctly, uh, and because you know we are going to be using, I think that you know the, the same the same players yet again. But today we did see probably our strongest bench for a long, long time in terms of quite a few players. You'd look there and think, well, he can come on and, and do a job. He can come on, but only really missing Ashley Young and, and obviously Garner Gay. Who's gone to African Cup of Nations now? So it's um, we are starting to get players back in and and, and getting back to our our stronger selves. But we've got to address that goal scoring issue, and hopefully Wednesday is a game that you know we, we do we do score a, a few goals and uh, we can get a bit more confidence flowing before potentially if we win the game the next round of the cup and then beyond that to to Fulham on the on on the thirtieth of January. But all of them but. But hopefully, you know, as I say, confidence is is fairly high after after today's performance. But Phil, it comes to you first for your prediction. What are you thinking on Wednesday night? Uh, I'll go two nil. A goal in each half. I think um, we'll score relatively early, and then we'll score maybe last ten second half. Two nil. Pete, do you follow the same kind of optimism? I'm going to say a big, big one nil, Everton. We're going to score from a set piece because we've not had a decent set piece in a while. I, I think we win the game. I really do. I, I think it'll be two one. Um, I can see a goal from a centre half. I'm, I'm, I'm begging a, a, a Jared Bradbury goal. I've got to be honest with you. He, he needs to get a goal, doesn't he? Now, you know, uh, to add to his resume. So I do think we win the game. Um, never easy, as I say, but they've only got the bottom, the bottom part of the Bullens and the paddock. Crystal Palace. I'm back in the other visitors again. I like to go up there because the internet signal is absolutely fantastic. So obviously away fans get much better coverage than we get because when I'm sitting in the normal seat in the paddock, I get no notifications all gay from anywhere. Do you know what, Mike? I get 5G in the main stand. You get honestly. 5G? Yeah, yeah, honestly. That's because, that's because you're by all the um, <laughs> yeah. the prawn sandwich brigade in the diaspora. Yeah. That's why, isn't it? So it's yeah, it uh, we don't get that kind of coverage there in the uh, in the paddock. We're all all in there, all the uh, the poor people. We, we don't get the good internet coverage, but we should do. Um, so that's us for this week. Um, busy week promises to be. Hopefully, you know, Pete mentioned briefly earlier on about the, the there are the financial results, or we find out tomorrow. Uh, obviously, recording Sunday night, we find out tomorrow about the 22-23 financial situation and. Who's going to be charged? There's a little bit of talk. Oh, I think it was the Times. The likelihood is Everton gets charged along with Forrest. The likes of the Esk and, and people like that have been saying and, and said against today. He, he's, he's certain that Everton have, uh, are actually fine for 22-23. I can't deal mentally with another kind of situation where Everton are getting charged. I, I really can't. We're already trying to fight the, the battle we've had for, for 21-22, which you know we're waiting to get this appeal heard. We're waiting to uh, find out if we've got any points back and, and things like that. Obviously, a big meeting with the fan advisory board before the match today with Andy Burnham and Steve Rotherham, Rotherham in attendance. So the pressure's still there, you know, from from that. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we're going to be okay for 22-23 um, because it's it's becoming a bit of a joke, really, isn't it? But there's a lot of other sides now who, who are starting to wake up to the fact of what we've been saying for a long, long time about what these these uh, profit and sustainability regulations mean for sides that uh, aren't in the usual top six and, and who it protects and people are now starting to wake up even sides with money like Newcastle who, who now can't do a great deal and in the transfer market so you know the battle the battle continues of course um, 
we, we'll keep on going. Uh, but let's hope that we're on the right side of things on on Monday, uh, because that that'll be that'll be another bitter pill to swallow if we aren't, and we have to go through this whole this whole rigmarole again. But we'll see what happens. Um, but before we sign off, there is a competition going. Our second one of the month. Uh, we are doing one a month, we said, but we've thrown in a, a, a extra one this month. Uh, four tickets for the the game on Wednesday in Palace, and I also fifty quid to spend in the in the Everton shop as well. Uh, while while you're there, so those that competition is live now. Closes Monday at six pm. So all you got to do is, is is put your favourite or your best photograph of Goodison Park that you've taken. That's on your camera roll in the replies and 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 you've entered. So if you haven't got any tickets for the game. Uh, if you want to take your family, of course, it's it's two adults, two under 18s. Then we've got a got a good prize there for you if you if you want to answer that. But that's us for today, Phil. Thanks for coming on the show as always and uh, taking Lee's place so uh, sweet. No, thanks as always. Love coming on. Thanks very much. And we'll catch you ourselves. Probably come back next weekend to look back on that on that Palace game and and look ahead to hopefully hopefully a fourth round tie Goodison Park. Um, and obviously what happens with those financial results as well. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.